0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com Daily bonuses are waiting No purchase necessary Void. were prohibited by law 18 plus Terms and conditions apply See website for details Support for GigPod is brought to you by Manscaped who is has the best in men's below-the-waist grooming Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com Hello
1: everyone, and thank you for downloading another instalment of the Premiership Years from Glasgow's Green, a.k.a. GIGPOD. We're now into December 2020, a month in which 12,000 jobs were lost when Debenhams declared itself away. The Mayor of Liverpool, Joseph Anderson, was arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to commit bribery and Tesco reintroduced a purchasing limit on some items to try and stop panic buying. If only that stretched to John Joe Kenny, but more on that in another episode. Now I'm Stevie, and I'm joined by Fitzbean Pod Simon, who is better known as Fat Boy Beans, and he'll be discussing eight of Celtic's games with me throughout the month, in which there were five wins, one defeat, and two draws, one of which resulted in the quadruple treble being achieved. So I'm going to call you Beans here. Hello and welcome to Gig Pod.
0: Aye, that's absolutely fine. Thanks for having me, mate. I've been looking forward to this since you sent me the sent me over a while back, so tough to
1: be here, mate. It was a gloomy campaign for Celtic, wasn't it, beans? But at least this month, there was a wee bit of joy. It's a funny month, isn't it? It's like you get the the dark sort of nights coming into like 2 and 3, but Christmas is there and there's a lot of good baby happening, there's a lot of good nights to look forward to, but it wasn't quite the case in 2020, was it?
0: No, it wasn't. It was a very weird one and like obviously we're going to talk about the games in this in december but it was just such a weird month with like the football because it was filled with like false hope every week and then just i think we were also like a, like society was still a bit confused with everything about like well, va- will vaccines come in what's happening with that and it was just like as you're saying like even the idea of like tesco limiting what you can buy again like just all that stuff it was just there was there wasn't a there wasn't a lot to look forward to
1: yeah, well, when it comes to Celtic in December, you're saying there wasn't a lot to look forward to. So much so that when the first game was in the San Siro, now bear in mind we were already out of the Europa League. That spot of Prague defeat confirmed it. The 4-1 doing in Prague meant that we had crashed out of Europe completely. And we only had to play AC Milan, who needed a win to go through to the knockout stages. Milan at the time, I believe, were still riding high in Serie A. And amazingly enough, don't know what got into Celtic in the first sort of 15 minutes or so. But I remember seeing this, and Celtic could have been 4-0 up. Tom Rogic made it 1-0, Hodson-Edward made it 2-0. We took advantage of AC Milan, who I think just turned up and thought, this is going to be a laugh for us. And to be fair, Celtic did uh, shock them initially. What was your thoughts in the first 15 minutes when Celtic not only went 2-0 up, but actually, Cal McGregor missed a chance, Uh, Rogic missed a decent chance as well. I mean, it could have been 4, you're talking, in those opening 15 minutes.
0: It was so bizarre watching it back and even just kind of going back and watching the highlights just to, uh, like, remember it a bit better. And I was even remembering just at the time, like, tweeting out being like, what the hell is going on here right now? Like, it was actually, I was like, this is so surreal. Like, I didn't expect this at all. And sadly enough, the, the thing was that Lennon always mentioned about how the team showed a good 20-minute spell in games. And it, it seemed that our 20-minute spell came and went in the first 20 minutes, sadly, and then it didn't end up our way. But it was, I think, even Rogic. I've been Rogic, one of his most harshest critics, I think, in the last couple of seasons. Uh, and it was a beautiful... Him and Edward, both, uh, they weren't great. They weren't both great goals, but they were still good goals. They were well-worked, and I was quite... I was, quite ch- well, I was obviously buzzing for it, but then it came thundering down, didn't
1: it? You know, Ryan Christie did something amazing when... It was one of his rare good decisions. Instead of shooting from 25 yards, he slapped in a cracking ball for Edward and he dinked over the keeper. And I just thought, okay, this might be a wee bit of a a renaissance now with Ryan Christie. We could be starting to see him getting properly coached. 10 minutes later, he goes flying into a tackle, um, but 20 odd yards for goal. That's like giving Oglu a penalty because Ryan Christie, there was no need, need for him to make that challenge. As soon as he did that, I think a lot of people were going... This is, you're going to get in bother here. This is going to result in something. Because what actually happened a lot with Celtic that season, Beans, is that any mistake we made was punished. We never seemed to make a mistake and get away with it. At that time, everything was just culminating and it was just snowballing against us. And that would end up happening. Chow and put away the free kick. A lot of people said Barkas was at fault. Personally, I didn't think he stood a chance with it. And then you had Castle Yeo, who made it two each just a couple of minutes later, you just knew Celtic we weren't going to hold out, did you? I mean, you knew it was going to be a case of there was going to be so much pressure, we would do something stupid. Uh, we did something stupid because it was Hogger, who cut in for the left-hand side, went by four Celtic players, like they weren't there, and then put it by Barca's before Brahim Diaz finished the scoring off to make it 4-2. For a Celtic team who were already really, really low in confidence um, and getting into the game against St Johnston, who... By no means were any mugs whatsoever. You just thought this result was just the last thing we needed in a game that ultimately we probably could have rested players in as well, couldn't
0: we? I we definitely could have. And uh, just what you'd mentioned about the Christie tackle, um, where they got the first goal from, that just comes that goes down to how poorly managed the team were. Any other manager, I know they're a low in confidence, but you're talking about a team that have uh, winners medals that could stack up as tall as. I don't know, something tall. Haven't thought of that. Uh, great punchline there. But th- it's an experienced team to be flying into the tackles and then giving and then it just slips from there. That just shows that how there was no there was no connection between management, the players, the players themselves. It was just so disjointed and that kind of uh, showed it all. But yeah, um it, it should have been a chance to rest some players and it, it wasn't. But it was a great it was a great first twenty minutes, but it was, I mean it, it was better than I expected at the end of the night.
1: Yeah, I just said, Celtic had a lot of great first 20 minutes, but as far as I'm aware, you don't win games in the first 20 minutes, and we moved on to the game against St Johnston, which was just an utter farce, I mean, this was a match that I think just you had pretty much everyone online just watching it, they were just waiting for that moment that came in the 79th minute, but before then, Celtic created next to enough, and it was just pretty wee passing in the middle of the park, but... It wasn't going anywhere. We weren't penetrating St John's. They were just so happy to have us in the middle of the park, not anywhere near the, the last third. Xander Clark was relatively untested. We had 574 generally pointless passes in this game. And that was just the story of what we were doing under Lennon. We didn't have any direction. We didn't know where we were going. And then we get sucker punched in the 79th minute. Ball comes in. And then you saw Frimpong sprinting out to closed down, I believe it was, was it Callum Booth, the St. Johnson left-back? And then Booth just has one look-up from Pong's half, like, he's already sprinting out and he goes, oh no wait, I've left Stephen May behind me. Stephen May takes advantage of just that one bit of indecision that and it costs Celtic because he puts the ball in, Chris Kane makes it 1-0. At that point I'm just expecting another defeat. I mean, I know that we ended up scoring a goal and it was Ryan Christie again when he assist. The, Swings it in from the right, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's Elia Gets his head on it. It looks over Under Clark. It was a very, very, very lucky goal, Beans. But you just knew, right, even it was going to take a moment of luck like that. And I always think, here we go. We're going to get a winner. This is where Celtic are going to just, you know, again, there was so many times where we thought, get one more and this is it. We're going to really, you know, explode into action and our season's going to actually start here. But the reality was... I think we were just relieved to be scoring. that we were only getting beat rather than pushing ahead for the, the win because if Celtic were pushing ahead for the win and we went full pelt, I have every belief that St Johnston would have taken advantage like they did to be that just split, the re-split second they had with Chris Kane's goal. They would have probably done it again and they would have probably made it 2-1 and in the end we had to settle for the draw and the season was already done at that point point. the league was over but it, it just was so, so, so disappointing that Lennon was still kept on after it, wasn't it?
0: Aye, it was and I know I touched about how disjointed it was, but even before, I think it was in the first half, um, Stevie May had a chance on a half volley, and I think Beaton clears it off the line, or relatively off the line. And once he clears it off the line, he's kind of just looking about. Nobody's having a go. Nobody's, it's just so flat. And it was like watching a Sunday team play hungover. Like they just were like, oh, let's just get through this and go up the road kind of thing. And it was, um, that was just one of the performances where we had, I think we had 69% possession that day. And only five shots in target. I don't think there's many teams that would have at home that amount of the ball and do so little with it. And that's what teams clocked on with Celtic that season very early on was they can have the ball. It's side to side. It's a lot of meaning, meaningless five ten yard passes. And we 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 can't we couldn't penetrate teams. We didn't have width in the team. And aye, it was that. I think that was I was always. I, There's a lot that happened in December, and I felt as if every single game that we're going to discuss, there was a bit where you're like, Right, there's a glimmer of hope in there. This is when it's going to turn. We've seen it before. We've seen it with Strachan Celtic. We've seen it where we can just flip. This is the catalyst, and obviously it never was. But uh, I think that you were always, I was always trying to justify, not justify Lennon being there, but you were always like, Right, it'll turn. It'll turn any second now. Surely he'll go through them. We'll regroup and we'll come out and pump someday and I mean I know we had a couple of wins but even at that they were never really that convincing but aye that that performance I think that was the first one where things really started to get quite sinister with the support I think.
1: Do you remember the in the first half of that game beans where St Johnston had an attack and I believe it was Brown beat on, and I think it was maybe another defender that all just stood and watched the ball going through and, and St <laughs> Johnston kind of made it one out like there's a really amazing moment but all three of them pointed the ball <laughs> They take no responsibility. And that was just symptomatic of Celtic all that season, wasn't it? Not one player took the game by the scruff of the net, took responsibility and went, right, come on to fuck, get a grip here. They all just pointed at each other and the ball. By that time, St running running through, and I believe it was just a poor finishing that stopped them taking the lead. But it was just a mad moment. And any other, in another Celtic team, you're looking at that as a wee bit of a freak incident and going, right, <laughs> what was that, and laughing about it. But at that point, you're like, I fully expect this Celtic team to do things like that.
0: Aye, it was, and like at that. I just think you are talking about the ball goes behind Beaton, and he knows the ball's behind him, and he knows that there is the ball still in play, and he's sitting like pointing at the ground for Brown. Is and like, why do you not play it or whatever? And it's like, mate, going to play the ball and just get back in. Like, it's really not that difficult. And it was, it was just so weird. Even watching it back, and obviously knowing how the rest of the season went and stuff, I honestly wouldn't surprise me if it comes out in years that. Those players absolutely hated each other. And I know the board came out and talked about apparently, or it, it was apparently we tried to contact Eddie Howe at the end of November, which I don't know how much of that I believe, but I don't know how much of that Lennon would have been told. But um, you could just tell, again, disjointed. And I think that sinister feel that the fans felt, probably was going in at the change room as much as much as anywhere else.
1: You know, you're going from that to then play the French champions elect. They would later go on to win the league. Uh, it was Leo. Now, we did get a very favourable two-weeks draw against them. Of course, we rode our luck at the same time back in October. But it was a, a draw nonetheless. And then at Celtic Park in the famous dead rubber, of course, it would be the David Turnbull show because he set up one goal played his part in the McGregor penalty and they scored a cracker to basically win the game for us. Now this was a Lille team as we said. They left out guys like Sven Botman, Jonathan Bamba, at Yilmaz and Renato Sanchez. So they weren't at full strength, but it was still they still very very good players out there. Celtic. This was a game where well, we again we had Soro and Turnbull. The match that Essentially, it just gave us a wee bit of hope for the rest of the month. I thought Sorrow was fantastic in this game. David Tumble, of course, uh, rightfully gets the headlines for his brilliant performance. But understated as well is how Patrick Clamalla, who, as we know, is now went to New York Red Bulls. Beans, correct me if I'm wrong here, but klamala put in a brilliant performance. You're going to be biased, of course, because he's Aye. a Polish legend. But <laughs> it's not just me, is it? I mean, klamala was outstanding. He led the line brilliantly that night for us. And a lot of people didn't. I mean... I know Tumbo and sorrow got their chances after it, but Klamala did it, and I always found that quite a a strange one. Of course, we know that and Edward is our star striker and talisman, but Clamalla deserved something after that, and I always found that a wee bit strange.
0: Aye, I did DM Clamalla, I think it was after that game the next day, asking if he wanted to go for a pint in the Polish club, and I DM'd it in Polish, he read it and pied it, so I had a bit of an up-and-down relationship with him that month, but no, he was, Clamalla looked, he was a a raw player, He he had a lot of rawness, but he also you could tell he was learning you can tell he's a grafter um he listens to to everything around him and I thought he put in a great performance and obviously sorrow and Turnbull were the, the main talking point and again talking of false hope false stones, you felt as if this was going to be the catalyst that never came and um I think the I think Turnbull and Sorrow lifted a a lot of a lot of bodies in there. There was a lot of heads that had dropped and um I think, like, we're we'll going to talk about the next game after it, but for, for, against Kelly. But even like Duffy, who was all over the shop, the next game comes in by good performances. Players started to have it started to rub off on the rest of the players. Like when you have Clamala or Sorrow or Brown, eh, sorry, Turnbull. There's me picking Brown over Turnbull again. Aye, when those players start playing well, it does have an impact on everybody. Um, it was just a shame that. I think it was It was a dead rubber game, as you said. I think that the fact that there was no kind of pressure on it, um, it was just more or less try and get some kind of result and not get a, not get a doing, but just try and get a result uh, and come through it respectfully, but we, we, we obviously did, um, but I, I don't think it was enough. I think we needed, looking back with hindsight, I think we probably needed a bit of a better performance, a better result overall to, to actually try and kick on, because it was good, but it wasn't great looking, but I think we, that performance was good, but considering everything it was like the, the context of the season and the month before, it looked amazing. Whereas looking back at it, it was all right.
1: Leo, as much as I, I wouldn't for a second, think they were they were down in tools, I still know that they weren't at their strongest and everything as well in that game. They'd already qualified, so for them, you know, they were probably having one eye on the French league. But you still can't take anything away for that Celtic team and the performances, especially Tumble who to be absolutely fair to him, would I mean he would be encouraged by this and he would go from strength to strength that season and it became a wee bit of a glimmer of hope for us and hopefully for next season they can kick on even more with a really good pre-season behind them. But now we move on to the Sunday after that when we played Colemarnock. Colmarnock they showed the exact reason they, they get relegated um in the playoff with Undy. I do remember in this game that the big standout for me was just how, how like how bad they were. I mean, Alex Dyers, Kilmarnock, he, he was under a fair bit of pressure. I used to think, well, in that game at Rugby Park against us, when they drew 1-1, one, one, they weren't terrible. They were playing the ball on the deck, and they, they, they had some neat passing. They didn't look as if they were going to be a team. They, I mean, didn't think they were top six material, but they didn't. I'd be stunned if they get relegated at that point, if you told me. Then when I watched them in this game, I remember saying to so." I reckon Kilmarnock are away. I reckon Kilmarnock are going after this and predicted it because they were utterly shambolic. Ill unisoned scoring. Um, I think it was a shot that deflected off a player. I would remember this game as well. ball on Tumble and Shane Duffy were one of the best headers you'll see, wasn't it?
0: Aye. I've got my notes saying how good Duffy was and he, he, he had quite a lot. He probably could have had a hat-trick that day. Um, but I suppose that also shows how shite Kelly. where to be fair that Shane Duffy actually had a good performance against him but aye, it was a good header and again it was kind of like when he, he scored against Ross County when he started, you're like right, just going to kick on now, like get over this lull that we're in, just kick on and kick on and it never really came but um, El Yunusie getting a deflection and stat padding that's my El slander out the way but Duffy did well in that game and again going into a big game the next week with a cup final chance to make history, you think with like the Turnbull and sorrow kinda coming in and Duffy's starting to get his head screwed on again, you're starting to think, like, surely all we need to do is get through the rest of the month, get some signings in and we can we can kick on or replace some deadwood or whatever we need to do. Obviously it never came, it never happened like that. But um even something as simple as getting a clean sheet, because I don't think we'd had a clean sheet for I can't even remember how long, but at least not in December. So it's the first clean sheet of the month, which obviously gives confidence going into the, the next game, but aye, some header off it off it though.
1: Shoot time here, are you happy that Kilmarnock got relegated or are you going to miss them?
0: No, I can't stand anything to do with Kilmarnock The, the town, the the, the place, anything associated with it. The only thing I like about Kilmarnock is Steve Clark Everything else about Kilmarnock, just get in the fucking bin. I have absolutely no time for the football club or the place.
1: Well, a wee bit of trivia for you here. Uh, COVID-19 in the UK, of course. A 90-year-old British woman, Margaret Keenan, became the first person in the world to receive the Pfizer COVID-19 jab as part of the mass vaccination programme. And this injection was the first of 800,000 doses to be offered to people in the UK, with millions more expected to be ready by the 31st of December. I've had my jag, you for had yours, haven't you? Are you now double jagged?
0: I'm double after the weekend. I got, went and got it very hungover after the Scotland game on Saturday. So, all sorted, of the guy was grilling me on us questions, like, you know, like, oh, how hungover are you? You've been doing anything else? I'm going to just shut up and drag me so I can get out of here.
1: What time was it at? What time was your appointment?
0: It was like five o'clock, but I was in a state. I'd, We started, I think we tanned a full bottle of Kraken after the within like five minutes after the final whistle went, so I was uh, I was a bit worse for there.
1: I was in some nick after that Scotland game. I ended up tanking a full bottle of Jura whiskey. Oh! <laughs> I had a tattoo at 11 o'clock on Saturday. I was meant to get one in my left arm. I missed my tattoo appointment and my tattoo place is shut and I had to be waiting five weeks for it, so I'm now going to have to grovel to my tattoo guy and say, look, I'm sure you understand Scotland drew when they were meant to get battered off England. I went mental... Is there a chance you can see me in the next couple of weeks? I can only hope that I can turn around and say, look, I've got a podcast. And you might. You <laughs> might very well take pity on me. I don't know. You're a podcaster as well, Beans. Will this work?
0: Aye, 100%, mate. I've been getting all sorts out of the podcast and my podcast shite. So um, I've got every faith in you, mate. And your tattoo looks cracking as well. So I've got every faith in it.
1: Thank you, brother. We didn't have every faith in Celtic, though, when it came to the 20th of December, 20, 25 days before Christmas, Celtic had the chance to... Clinch the quadruple treble if they could beat Hearts at Hamden. Of course, we beat Hearts in May 2019, which would be infamously known as the, the shower game when Neil Lennon got the job right after that and put us all in an absolute fucking downer. So it started off quite well in the first half hour. Ryan Christie, we had a great shot for range, uh, one of the ones that happened to go in, but he just, you know, head down, hit it, Craig Gordon had no chance. Brilliant effort. And then Oddson Edward, his penalty made it 2 0. Do you remember the absolute greeting about that one, Beans?
0: I literally um, have written down here that Craig Gordon is greeting as if he's not a man who cheated on his wife to go and shag somebody in the Celtic media team. So I, Craig Gordon, I, I've, I, I used to like Craig Gordon. I used to stick up for him for so much. And I don't really know why. Um, but see at that very moment I was like, You seem like an absolute pricker guy.
1: Everything was all well and good. We're two and a lot. We're laughing at Craig Gordon. I believe Neil McCann was even raging about <laughs> it and everybody was just having a right good laugh, saying, Well, that's it. We've done the we've done the quadruple treble. But Celtic in twenty twenty, this Neil Lennon, Celtic, had other ideas because I don't know what they did at halftime. Don't know how many bevies they had, thinking, Well, we've pretty much got one hand on the cup. But amazingly enough, the second half performance it just all went downhill after that. It was an utter disgrace. Poor defending by Chris Iyer for a start. Andy Halliday gets the ball over. Liam Boyce makes it 2-1. And then one of two mistakes for Conor Hazard. He completely misses a corner. He lets Stephen Naismith, I think it is, just bully him. Instead of just, you know, getting the fuck out of the way. Stephen Kingsley nods it in for a narrow angle. And then towards the last five minutes of the game, it's just sustained heart's pressure. And you're just sitting going, what is happening here? Full time whistle goes beans at two two. I mean, are you just thinking have Celtic blown this, or did you think we might have had some more legs in us to get through it?
0: No, I thought that was it at that point. I'll be honest. I think, especially like the way it looked, like Duffy um, and Julian running into each other, and then Janelli's clean through and all that. Like it was just calamitous, and there was there was nothing. And like Brown was swaggering about, and you're thinking, right, Brown's going out in a swan song here. Like he knows this might be his last trophy or one of them. Um, at that point so he's gone out and given everything and then everybody just disappeared Duffy went off injured didn't he he bottled it there there was just everybody just even you're talking about that first goal for Hearts Boyce comes into the box and it was 3v2 but Duffy and Taylor both clock him that he's between them and then when the ball comes in, the two of them just peel away and he's got about five yards either side of him just to put in a free header. It was just, at that point, because of how cheap it was, I thought, I don't trust this. And I definitely didn't trust it going to penalties either.
1: No, I didn't. I mean, before that, of course, Lee Griffiths came on as a sub and uh, scored to make it 3-2. As I said right again, Celtic just have other ideas. Josh Janelli, again, a, a terrible... I don't know what Hazard was, was playing at. I mean, the first one, you could say, a bit of naivety. wasn't protected by his defence. Young goalkeepers... They've been there. They've seen it before. You've seen it before. You know what I mean? Even David Marshall had these had these howlers as well. And Naismith is an experienced player, so you, you can say you will let him away with that one, I guess. But the second one, he just comes and he flaps at the cross, and then it's headed across. Josh Unnely makes it three each, and that was a moment for me when um, I also believe Hearts had a couple of free kicks similar to like that. My heart was in my mouth the entire time and I did think at that point the Hearts were going to make it 4-3. I remember in um, the group chat we've got, it's like myself and guys, 6-7, hail, hail at Hamish. As soon as Hearts made it 3-3, we felt that's it. All the momentum's with them, even getting into penalties, I didn't feel confident at all. And it was just a lottery in the end, wasn't it? Because Connor Hazard did redeem himself, but it really shouldn't have got to that stage. Celtic should have been able to see that out. Of course, when Christopher Iyer took a step up and bulleted it past Gordon, It felt great and it was a relief and everything but at the same time there was this wee horrible feeling in the back of your head wasn't it that that win should have been about Celtic and should have been the case of right let's celebrate the end of an era but you felt that the board were going to use that to basically gloat over the fans who were basically wanting Neil Lennon out and Neil Lennon was going to use that to go well look at what I've achieved look at what I've done. Despite everything this season being an unprofessional mess, look at what I've done. Lennon ended up using that, actually, didn't he, when it comes to his sacking? He was using it just the other week when he was talking on the radio about how out of order he was treated by fans.
0: Aye, this press run he's on at the minute, he can talk about how much a Celtic man he thinks he is, but uh, he's, he's using the fans and uh, their dismay at one of the most shocking seasons in our lifetime. is He's basically making himself out to be a victim when it was all, I would suggest, a lot of it is very much self inflicted. He's got choice words that he's used, but I the penalties was crazy. I remember my Premier Sports cut out. I was actually recording it as it happened, and then it cut out, and then it just cut back, and I was just like jumping into a sea of Celtic players, and I was like, "Fucking thank God, man!" But it was terrifying. Um But I, as you said, we've mentioned a few times about how you, it was like you just wanted that kind of catalyst for change or a glimmer for hope, and after it, it was like everyone was ranting and raving about Hazard. I was like, "Oh, well, he didn't play great. He did well on the penalties," which you know, credit to him, but again, it was, it just felt as if, oh, the board have just got away with this, they're they are going to play it to the advantage, Lennon's going to take it as a, you know, he's going to take it as a, as a thing to put in his CV, and at that point, see when you're winning a, a league cup, or a cup rather, and uh, that's what you can tell the board are like, we'll be able to use this against the fans, that's just, epitomises how disconnected they are and how much they're just absolute greedy bastards aren't they
1: so after that game no one got to see Neil Lennon away but do you know who was away Jessie Nelson left uh, Little Mix she had the she had the good grace to say that things weren't going so well and she would walk unlike Neil Lennon did that one hit you hard because I was always dead surprised she left she was the most likeable one
0: Aye, I, I was a wee bit disappointed about that I, I have to admit, I've not listened to Little Mix since that was quite tough, especially Christmas season you d- you don't want to see news like that and it was it, it was devastating it kind of hurt. It dug deep, I think I was quite upset by that, I think that probably would have been a, I, I don't think I would have been able to handle that and Celtic losing that cup final in the same week so.
1: Well one of the few crumbs of comfort we had after that, was Celtic never conceded a goal for the rest of the month we beat Ross County 2-0, there was a 3-0 away win over Hamilton and we beat Dundee United at home um, that was again a strange one because I didn't think in any of the games we were that great but yet it did look as if we were able to start winning games without playing well and I know we were doing that earlier on in the season but there was red flags there and there were serious doubts that we're going to be able to actually compete with Rangers but this Celtic team should have been actually taking the confidence of not conceding for once and being able to go to places like Hamilton not play great and then you know, still come, come back with three points because the way things had been for us that season, and then you're talking Hamilton here, there was every chance that they would have been able to take something from us the way things were.
0: I didn't catch the Hamilton game because Sky never cleaned their cameras for it. That was like watching it through a a, a car wash window. But I, I think, like, again, going in, the, the whole focus was obviously the Rangers game in January and, you know, three clean sheets. You've just won a cup final Griffiths is getting goals again, him and Edward played at Hamilton and looked good, Turnbull was stepping in, you started thinking, and I know obviously that will be for your next episode, talking about how we started at Ibrox, but you thought, right, okay, surely to fuck. this is going to be it, this is going to be the catalyst, this is going to be the change, but I think that was just purely down to a couple of players actually stepping up and uh, having some good performances rather than, you know, They've changed it, or they've worked on something in training. They've implemented it, and it's worked. I think I, 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 it was actually going into those games. Think this lineup could literally be anything, any shape, any formation, any lineup, and that just kind of showed how all over the place we were. But again, as you said, three clean sheets. You'd have thought it would have been a good way to end the month, but it was quite for for a for a month where you've only lost what one game. It was um, it was still quite quite drab wasn't
1: it those three games as well David Tumble scored in each and every one of them did you know
0: that I, I remember just think, but again it almost felt as if like right With I know he should have been in beforehand but it was like that way where you always say it about how a signing comes in in January and it just changes look at Bruno Fernandes at Manu. like it just changes everything we got him before that obviously we had him available before and don't know if I a clue why him and Soro weren't in, but Turnbull coming in. At my actual initial thought was, see when Turnbull was playing like that just before New Year's. I remember speaking to my pal at Hogmanay about this, and I was like, I don't even think it's about will he take his place in the team. I think it's about will Celtic be able to keep him because. He was shunned out, he had such a dramatic and spirited comeback from injury and then to come in perform the way he was performing but still getting you know second fiddle to the regulars that weren't performing. I was genuinely shocked that Turnbull was st- still a Celtic player. Well, for now, we'll see what happens after the Euros.
1: One of the things we also was well, two things we didn't pick up on actually and one was Sorrow, obviously played in all those three games where we kept a clean sheet, amazingly enough. But we go back to that final. And Sorrow should have been playing from the start. But Scott Brown was there. And you really did see us, didn't you? 60-odd minutes. How tired and leggy we were. How hearts were getting the grip in the midfield. Had Soro been playing in that game? We're 2-0 up already through the goals from Christie and Edward. You've got Sorrow starting. You've got the energy. You've got the legs there to like, cover that and see the game out a wee bit more. Just wee things like that frustrated me. Because I remember seeing Soro. Yeah, okay, Ross County, Hamilton, Dundee United. I'm not saying they're the best of the teams in that that we play in but my god you did notice a difference in Celtic when you saw Soro there ahead of Brown and it's nothing personal against Scott Brown because as we saw as the season went on even earlier it just didn't have the legs and he was done by then and it's just it's just so baffling isn't it that Neil Lennon it's again what Celtic do they put all this emotion on things it's like that's how Neil Lennon got the job they tug at the heartstrings and it was just like that one last dance crap we see and that's why Brown was in the team ahead of Soro on pure emotion when the reality is it should have been on Form and it's mad that he wasn't there in that team against Hearts, which almost led to a real sort of dramatic failure for us.
0: As good as Scott Brown was, I remember like the first half, he, he, he played well. Um, and I remember even the timeline, everyone was like, here, Browns, Brown's doing well, blah, blah, blah. But doesn't matter how good your first half is, seeing the second half, if you've got an open goal pundit tearing you apart and ruining your chance of history, that's enough that any manager worth their salt should say, right, come on to fuck, let's get the guy who has just had a great game against you know some some top European opposition. We should probably bring him in here to see off this first division, or championship side, rather. I, I, was a fa- I, I, I didn't mind Brown starting the game, but as the game started to go the way it did, I think... Again, that's just decisions. There's a lot of decisions that have been made this season or last season that just, a, a lot of decisions happen in football where you can kind of justify it or see whether there's some reason behind it. But especially that month in December, I, I just don't have a clue what what Lennon was doing.
1: And the very last point I want to make is the goalkeeper against, again, the goalkeepers were chopped and changed all season. I kept saying we read so stupid because you've really got to keep it consistent. However, Connor Hazard was in goal against Ross County and against Hamilton. So he's, he's kept two clean sheets after the criticism uh, that he received against Hearts. That's obviously going to be good for him. But then he's dropped and Vasilis Barkas comes in because Neil Lennon says Vasilis Barkas is going to be his number one for Ibrooks, is going to be his number one for the rest of the season. And then as we saw later on in the season, later on in the month of January Barkas has dropped and Neil Lennon says nah, he's not going to be my number one Scott Bean comes in, and I remember in this game as well, Vassilis Barkas had very very little to do, but it was generally solid for us it was going to be solid at Ibrox because again, that wasn't his fault, what's happened we'll talk about that obviously more later, but what was your thoughts, beans, on the whole goalkeeping situation at Celtic, I know we've covered it, inconsistencies just, n- not enough coherent decision making, and all that in general for the club for the top down, but if you're Barca, you, you must just be at this point going, I mean, what, what do I have to do here? Because bear in mind who his defence was in front of him as well. In
0: terms of any kind of uh, goalkeeper, see a goalkeeper that costs that amount of money in, relative to a, a club of Celtic size, you've got to do what you need to do. I remember... Um, I think it was Gary Neville was talking about that with Kepa at Chelsea. If you spend that much on a goalkeeper, it doesn't matter how how bad they're doing. You need to you need to speak to them and find out. Listen, what can we do for you? We, you need to bend over backwards for them and find out how you can help them settle. What it is you need to do, how you can make anything better. Um, is there anything that doesn't work in the defense that they've worked, that they prefer working in the defense? So whatever it is, you you've just got to try and change it. S- Stevie Woods is you know, renowned for being a top goalkeeping coach. If he's got one of the best goalkeeping coaches in the country working with him and we've spent all that money on him, why? Like he's played at a top level. It just I and I wasn't a fan of it. See if he makes a mistake. And I don't even think there's games where Barkas was that bad. I know there's a whole pattern about, oh, he's not had a save to make, but it he really didn't and he looked comfortable. And yeah, there was a few wee times where you thought, oh right, okay and that, that wasn't too great, and I know in the qualifiers it didn't do great, but I think you've just got to, especially when you spend that money, you've got to just stick with him, because I don't think Conor has, heard, nothing against him personally, but I just don't think he's at that level, and uh, Scott Bain should just be uh, unemployed, not as an, a footballer, just unemployed in general.
1: A wee bit of trivia here as well. On December 2020, it was the transition period expired at 11 o'clock as the UK completed its final separation from the EU, four and a half years after the Brexit referendum, so it means, it's fair to say, we took back something, whatever it was, we don't know, but we took it back anyway, so it would seem, and uh, we're all proud to be British, aren't we?
0: I don't understand what it is that's back, I mean, I, I genuinely see anything that's good about this this whole island, it's for somewhere else, I just, I, I don't want to get into too much of a rant about the Brits, but do you know what, I think that's how disappointed I was with Celtic, that... Exit getting over the line. I was just like, do you know, what? I don't even care at this point. Like, there's a wee ginger guy running the football club and claiming he's a legend, and he should get away with it. But aye, there's nothing, nothing British that's good through me. Even Little Mix, the, the 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 pride of Britain, fell apart. There's nothing, nothing good happened.
1: Well, I just saying, we don't know what we took back and back was the operative word well, but we do know what's away. And it is this episode of GigPod, as that is it, it's another episode of the Premiership years, wrapped up as if it was being recorded on December the 24th. Flawless stuff here. Beans, I have to say thanks a lot for coming on, and where can the audience find out about what you do, because as you have said, you are a podcaster, please plug it away. I
0: do the Been Happening podcast, uh, we're taking a wee break over the Euros, but we will be back, we've got quite a lot lined up, so you can find us at Pod uh, on all the socials and our YouTube channel if it's been happening again so aye go and give us a wee follow give us a listen send some abuse survey if you want to and um, listen mate thanks very much for having me it's been a a pleasure you're
1: very welcome and we'll be back for the next installment which promises to be the most explosive yet it's January 2021 with Spunkphone a month in which Celtic went to Dubai drew three games on a bounce lost at home to St Mirren and fell 23 points behind Rangers and yet All that was nothing compared to Neil Lennon's press conference. So tune in for that one soon, and we'll be back shortly.